I've walked in a situation where there was one patient who did not believe in God, who before he had stopped talking and before he had began to lose his ability to talk, ability to to uh, move or anything, he told me that he was an atheist. So my main goal was to minister to him through love. Even though he did not believe in God, I just want to show him that I love him for who he is and for the person that he is. Today we want to welcome Stefan Owens, who is with the Avalon Hospice Care. Stefan, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. You and I recently got acquainted through my father because my father was put in hospice and just recently, right after, uh, actually right before Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. and a week later, he transitioned from this life to be in the presence of Christ. Still, I have a, a heavy heart that's pretty fresh, obviously, just a couple of weeks after that, but I thought it would be nice to get together because I know as we're recording this radio show during the holiday time, Many people have heavy hearts, and yes, holidays remind them of sadness because they possibly lost a loved one during this time, or maybe their loved one right now is into their life. Yes, sir. They are trying to say their goodbyes, mm-hmm. and it's just there's just so much going on emotionally. You step into those situations. Yes, sir. And I can't imagine yeah. how you come home at night and the things that uh, you have to unwind with, you yes, know, sir. on your heart. Yes, sir. Um the best way that I do handle after coming home from a long day of work and long day of ministering to so many people, having to pour out my spirit to people, is that I come home to my family and thank God for my family and uh, have a beautiful wife, four beautiful girls that I'm so proud of. And I just do my best to keep my mind focused on the Lord and being in the ministry. Just being able to minister to those who are going through the stages of grief and dealing with the loss and transition of their loved ones. So I just do my best to come home and just thank God to be able to be used and being able to spread the gospel to those that may not know the Lord. And just having that in my heart brings me joy and being able to keep that in and just knowing that I'm used for God's kingdom. How does someone get to be a hospice chaplain. I mean, what was the journey that God took you to to get to where you are right now? A lot of years of experience. I thank God through many years of experience, been in the ministry. Back home in Indianapolis, I was under a great minister, Franklin Florence II, who taught me for many years the Word of God, taught me how to evangelize, taught me how to minister to those that don't know the Lord, and then being able to go to a Baptist seminary school back home in Indianapolis and receiving my bachelor's degree in theology. Now I'm also going to Union University where I'm going for my bachelor's degree in church leadership. And then just applying for the position at different hospitals, different agencies like myself. I work for Avalon Hospice, which was under Southern Care, just showing how that as a chaplain, showing love to everyone, not just some, but to all. It just allows me to be able to work what I do. So Indianapolis is your home. Tell me about your family. I have my mother and my aunt brought us up in the church. They took us to church every day that the church doors were open. uh, They instilled in us the word of God and made sure that we were involved. Uh, When I tell you we were drug addicts, we were drugged to church. (laughs) (laughs) So we were addicted to church. So we would go to church, do 
many of the ministries. We'll do be involved in all the ministries. We'll go to church, play basketball, and then go to church again. So that's <laughs> that was our regular routine. That was your life. Yes, sir. And yes, so sir. your father wasn't part of your home life at that time growing up? No, sir. Up? No, okay. sir. No, sir. Did you have a relationship with your I, dad? I did. I did. And I thank God. I thank God through the hospice company that he was a part of before he had passed. We were able to baptize him. As a matter of fact, he was paralyzed from the neck down and he wanted to be baptized before he had passed. And so my brothers and I, we got together and we ministered to our father, had the wheelchair, baptized him. We all picked him up. He was a big guy. As as you can see, I'm 6'4". He was about 6'6". And we picked him up, baptized him. And I want to say about two months later, he had passed. So going through that experience gave me the uh, urgency, the heart and mind to want to be a part of uh, something like that. And I thank God that I went through it and been able to minister to my father as well. Stefan, can you explain to us really, and maybe for those that don't understand, because I had misconceptions of what hospice care was all about mm-hmm. when the doctor recommended we should bring your father into hospice care. Um, there's some things I wasn't aware of, you know, how you served. And mm-hmm. just kind of explain, if you will, what hospice care is all about. The, the main thing, the main focus on hospice care is quality of life and being able to minister to families and provide help and care to not only to the patients, but also to the caregivers and family. Uh, of course, where our main focus is the patient, but then our also focus is the families and caregivers, mothers, fathers, daughters, uncles, whoever's a part of that the patient's life. And so what we try to do is come there and provide support to the families. Uh, and it's not that it's the end of life, it's the quality of life. Yes making sure that they still feel dignity about themselves, making sure they still feel love, providing spiritual support, helping the families with many areas of being able to provide pads, uh, cream, and aid, an aid that comes by to help them clean and provide uh, physical support to the patient. So we help with all that. So what I explain to people, I let them know that it's basically the hospital coming to your home. Yeah. You receive the the nurse support, you receive social worker support, volunteer services, spiritual support, and also need. So instead of having to take your loved one to the hospital, the hospital comes to you. And that's what was so special for us, because the familiar place for my dad, he's lived in a number of assisted livings uh, over the past probably 14 years. So this one he was at recently was the one he's been at for probably about a year now. And that was home for him. Yes, sir. And so I could even tell when he was transported from the hospital over back to the assisted living and the hospice was being set up for him, his countenance had already changed from being in the hospital because he knew he was in a familiar area. He knew some of the assistants that already worked there at the assisted living. So that combination with what the care you provided was just so invaluable at the time and how you walked me and my family through the process, letting me know different stages because I didn't know what was happening in certain things. And it just helped you to understand in the process, really to help you prepare knowing that he was about to transition. Now, my dad just happened to transition quicker than even what the hospice nurse thought mm-hmm. he would. That was God's timing. Yes, sir. And I'm thankful for that. But I know some people go into hospice and they can remain for quite a while, can't they? Yes, sir. I've had patients that were on hospice for, um, I've had patients that's been on hospice for two days up to two years. And a lot of it has to do with the support, the spiritual support, the 
social support, emotional support they receive. Sometimes we encounter families uh, where patients that where their families have left them, has deserted them, and then they feel depressed. And then we come along and provide that support. They feel the warmth and love, and they may live longer because of that support. Just from that human connection. Yes, sir. Yeah, that just yes, breaks sir. my heart. I can't even yes, imagine. Sir. You know, yes, I just sir. I was concerned about every move Dad made. Matter of fact, I put a, a security camera in the room so mm-hmm. it, when I woke up at two o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom, I could check to see how he was doing, just to make sure if, you know, he was okay. Do I need to call somebody for him? Mm-hmm. And so it was very important to me. And of course having you guys come alongside was so important too. Something special I do want to mention and thank you for, you got to pray with my dad. Yes, sir. And really, in some of the last words he said, tell me what he said when you prayed with him. Well, I went into the room, and before I go into every room, I always pray and ask God to use me. Before I go to any room, uh, go to anyone's home, I always ask the Lord to use me and to guide my heart, guide my mouth, and guide my eyes that I I may be able to uh, be a blessing to him. So I went into the room, sat with him held his hand, and I told him I was going to pray. I was talk to him in his ear and told him I was going to pray with him. I began to pray, ask the Lord to uh, bless me, bless him, and watch over his spirit, protect his spirit. And I asked God, if Lord, if you call him home today, allow your angels to praise your name because one of your children hath come home to glory. When I said, in Jesus' name, he said, Jesus' name, and I said, amen. He said, amen. Yeah. He went right back to sleep. Yeah. And so um, I held his hand and prayed, and that was it. And we I uh, left the room, and and then the nurse called and told me that that evening, I believe it was that that, evening, that afternoon, yeah, that afternoon. I had stopped by there around noontime. My wife, I was getting ready for a live radio show out in Cairoville, and we were setting up equipment. And I thought I would wait till I got off work. And my wife said, mm-hmm. I, "I think we should go today at noontime." I'm so glad we did. Yes, sir. Because he wasn't able to talk back. No, sir. But, but his eyes were open. He was looking at me. I held his hand. I said, "I love you, Daddy, so much." And I prayed over him, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, walked out. And so that was the last time I actually saw him alive. But when you told me that was such a blessing, because my dad did know the Lord. Uh, actually, prayed for my dad for 14 years mm. that Christ would become a reality in his life. And I'm so thankful that did take place. So that's part of the joy for me. I'm sad. There's things that remind me. I was at Sam's the other day because I would go pick him up from the assistant mm-hmm. living, take him with me to get office supplies, and he would run around behind me in that little electric cart, you know, and we would <laughs> fill it up. So we, I have great memories, you know. Yes, sir. And so those little things sometimes just kind of get you, you mm-hmm. know, when, you, when you're there yes, at sir. the moment. Memories. And memories, exactly. And so when you told me that about at the end of your prayer, how he said amen to that, uh that's very comforting. And to know, again, that he is with Christ. Yes, sir. So he's waiting on me, you know, yes, loved ones waiting yes, on sir. me. And so that does provide a great amount of comfort. And so you do walk into some situations. Are there unusual situations connected with hospice? <laughs> yes, sir, all the time. <laughs> all the time, man. And when I when I do walk into those situations, once again, I just ask God to, to calm the situation, calm my heart, and use me. I ask the Lord to allow me to be a to be the salt of the situation. Yes, and um, you know, walk in situations where there could be emotions flying. And what it is is that everybody's grieving. It's what you call anticipatory grief. Everybody's grieving before the loved one has passed, right. and emotions are high. They're beginning to think about their loved one being gone from them, and memories and. Uh, 
could be some financial issues going on. And I just explained to them that, you know, God is in control. God is in control and have faith in him and be there to show your, your loved one that you love them. Tell them that you love them and show your love to them. And so I just explained to them, just be there for them. And then 90% of the time, everything just calms down. I was just thinking as you said that, as you encourage them to love them, some of them have just like anger, hostility, mm-hmm. And they've never really connected with that loved one because mm-hmm. there was something, maybe if it's a child and a parent, maybe there was something that happened between that relationship that's been broken for years, and all of a sudden they get a call that their parent is dying, and so they fly from wherever to mm-hmm. you know, to be there with yes, them. Sir. So how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you try to connect people when there's no relationship and that loved one's about to die? Well, I explain to them, I encourage them to know that God has blessed them with the time to mend, to fix to use the time to be able to say, I'm sorry, or ask for forgiveness. Explain to them that God has blessed them with the the time at hand. Don't worry about the past, but worry about what's going on right now. How important is that, Stefan, to make sure you have that conversation with your loved one before they pass? Oh, it's very important because it gives you permission, and it gives them permission, and it provides closure for yourself and then also closure for the loved one. Just to being able to have that conversation and being able to say whatever's on your heart, to say your goodbyes, to say I'm sorry, to say thank you. Um, you know, just being able to say those things to your, your loved one before they pass provides closure and comfort for you. Uh, and then also for them. Sometimes God has it set where the loved one will stay here longer. Stay longer just to be able to have that last word or that last conversation with their their family, their daughter, son, or just to be able to mend whatever's uh, right. that's been broken. And sometimes the end of life, especially the last few days of life, the loved one might be totally non-responsive in mm-hmm. a sense. They sleep a lot. You know, mm-hmm. that's what my dad was doing. Yes, sir. I don't think there could be other activity that could be going on. But even though they might not be able to communicate back with you. Mm-hmm. I think I've heard that the hearing is one of the last things yes, to sir. lose. Yes, sir. Through education and through many times of uh, uh, sitting through class and going to seminars with the uh, doctors and physicians, the last thing that uh, their ability is the hearing. And that's where I explain to them, encourage the caregivers, uh, sons, daughters, husbands, wives, aunties, uncles. I explain to them that they can hear hear you. They can hear you. And when you tell them that you're here, you tell them that you love them, you tell them that you're sorry, they hear and receive all of it. Yes. And most of the time when they hear that I love you or that I'm sorry or just saying thank you, it gives them permission to transition to and to pass. What have been maybe some of the tougher situations that you walked into? I've walked in a situation where there was one patient who did not believe in God, who before he had stopped talking and before he had began to lose his ability to talk, ability to to uh, move or anything, he told me that he was an atheist. So my main goal was to minister to him through love. Even though he did not believe in God, I just want to show him that I love him for who he is and for the person that he is. And through many visits and through that allowed me to eventually to be able to pray with him. He allowed me to be able to pray. At first, he didn't want me to pray, but then through 
emotional support, social support, and show me showing him that I loved him allowed me to be able to minister to him through that way. Right. Then after so many visits, I was able to pray with them. And every time I think about it, I just, it brings so much warmth to my heart because how that this gentleman here was gone from an atheist to now I want you to pray with me. Yes, yes. And then from being able to pray with you now to, okay, I have faith in God. I do believe in Jesus Christ. And most of the time, you know, them thinking about what's going to happen on the next side of life, God begins to prick their heart. Yes. And then God uses me to minister to them and to use the opportunity to let them know, okay, it's time for me to get my God business right. Many years ago, I was a young student in college, Bible college. I had a, an uncle that was in a horrible car accident, paralyzed from the neck down, mm-hmm. and couldn't communicate with the family in the hospital. Then I don't think hospice was very much talked about as mm-hmm. much, but of course he was in some extreme uh, conditions, needing the medical attention, equipment and things. Mm-hmm. But I remember just felt this big need to make sure that he was mm-hmm. going to go to heaven, you know? Yes, sir. So I shared with him the gospel. And I got to the point, ask him about if he was to die mm-hmm. right now, would he know that for sure that he'd go to heaven? And this wonderful smile came over his face, and he gave me, there was a, an eye code he could give me that would tell me yes or no, mm-hmm. and he gave me the yes sign. Mm-hmm. And boy, did I feel good walking out of there, yes, knowing sir. that I had shared and confirmed with him. Yes, so sir. I'm so thankful that God gave me that opportunity, and knowing that my uncle was assured I'm going to see him again, too. Sometimes maybe you as a family member are in a situation where you have a loved one that is in hospice care or in the hospital possibly dying, and you don't know how to communicate that. Yes, sir. Find maybe a, a minister of your church or someone like Stefan who knows how to share in those emotional times to be able to clearly let somebody know what Jesus yes, sir. Did, did for them. Yeah. Absolutely. And and God uses whom he will to be able to spread the gospel, you know. Um, and when we as Christians begin to be used by God and allow our spirits to be humble, then God is able to use us in many different situations. God used you in this situation because he knew that you were able to come to his level of his spirit and receive the word of God. God, he makes us aware that the word can be presented in a way, and he and his son, Jesus, yes. can be presented in a way where it's receivable. And I guess I want to say that because I don't want a family member to assume just because a pastor of any church is mm-hmm. visiting a loved mm-hmm. one, it might not be because of ill intention. Yes, sir. It just might not come up in conversation, you mm-hmm. know? And so you just want to make sure, you mm-hmm. know, the best you're able to do that at the time.
I want to find out more about you personally. I mean, we've been talking about your job, which yes, is sir. quite involved. Uh, how did you meet your wife? What's your wife's name? My wife is Lysandra Owens. She uh, actually, when I moved to Jackson, Tennessee, my director, Kim Grice, was my boss at the time. She told me that I was going to be getting married. And, and <laughs> <laughs> she said, I'm going to find you a wife. So I said, oh, yes, ma'am. And so that she did. Uh, I was introduced to uh, my beautiful wife. Wife Lashandria Owens. She has been such a blessing to me, and she um, has been such an encouragement to myself, the ministry. She's a great singer. I call her my little mockingbird because she can sing. I have four beautiful girls. Uh, you got four, four girls? Yes, sir. That's why I'm bald. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I have four beautiful girls Taylor, Anaya, Takaya, and Delea. 18. 15, 14, Alea be 13 this June. So a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting, and a lot of gym. <laughs> I go to the gym a lot. Um, so I've been a chaplain for, going, like I said, going on six and a half years, just being involved in ministry, coaching, basketball, football, all the above. And, and you're an active member at Brown uh, yes, Church, sir. too, I, I, Dr. Orr. Yes, sir. And I, forgive me for that. I am under the, the teaching and under the leadership of Pastor Orr, who I enjoy and love with all of my heart. I am so grateful and blessed to have a great man of God who lives in integrity, love for God's people, and love for the ministry. And I'm grateful to be able to be a part of that great ministry and his vision. I was recently enjoying the wonderful Christmas celebration, Soulful Christmas oh, yes, sir. at Brown Church. Did your wife sing in that? No, sir. No, sir. She didn't. Actually, she was sick at the time. We weren't a part of it. Uh, Lord's willing, we were saying as a family that Lord's willing, next year we would like to be a part of it. It was a wonderful program. We all were blessed. We laughed, cried, <laughs> sang yes. praises, and we did all. We had a great time yeah, with the sure. Lord. It was yes, wonderful. Sir. Well, now I think also you from time to time do Bible studies, or you'll teach at another church. Yes, sir. Sometimes the Lord uses me to be able to uh, to go preach the gospel at many different congregations. Most of the time, where actually where God has been using me at this time in my ministry, where I'm helping a lot of small churches that they may be on the break of uh, uh, maybe dying out. Between uh, pastors? Or? Yes, or pastors or uh, the church. The pastor is 87 years old, and he's still ministering and pastoring, and he needs help. So I'm like, Joshua, Lord, here am I, send me. I'm just grateful to God that I'm able to go preach, teach, minister to those at Brown, minister to those at many different congregations. And even uh, right now, God is pricking my heart to start up a homeless ministry from one hand to the other ministry. So I'm just here for the ministry and be used by God. I want to go back to being a dad to those four girls. What do you enjoy most about being a dad? Watch my girls grow up. Uh, that is the blessing. Seeing them from little babies growing up to great, beautiful young women, 
uh, that's a blessing. And being able to see them make their own decisions in life and be a child of God for themselves. Yes. Uh, knowing that God has used me to minister to my children, and now they're presenting the gospel to others. That's a blessing. My daughters not only have a love for God, but they also have a love for God's people. When there's homeless people, I don't even have, we can be driving in the car. Uh, I don't even have to say anything. My daughters uh, say, Daddy, do you have a dollar? Mommy, do you have a dollar? Let's go buy some clothes for them. Let's go take them out to eat. And that's the joy and blessing that I had, just being able to see God's word that had been placed in my heart now being shown through my children. Stefan, thank you for sharing that. I mean, again, as a parent looking at their children giving back, children, of course, in those first early years, they're just receiving, receiving, yes, receiving. Sir. But to see the values, the character, the yes, use that you and Lysandria have instilled in these girls and then see them now yes, sir. a reflection of Christ in ministry. That is so powerful, yes, man. Sir. It brings tears to my eyes. Yes. <laughs> that is wonderful. Well, this has been great. If friends want to know more information about hospice care, if they might want to have you come fill the pulpit at their church yes, on sir. Sunday, what can they do? All they have to do is just call the office once again at Avalon Hospice, 901-384-9182. Or you can reach me personally on my cell phone. My area code is 317-657-4215. If there's anyone that may need assistance in, in pulpit ministry, need help in their church, anything, I am here and just a vessel to be used by God. Well, we're going to have to get back together sometime because I really enjoyed this. You did a great job for your first time on the radio. Yes, sir. My first time. (laughs) Yes, sir. Like they say, shake and bake. Yes, sir. We did some shaking and baking. (laughs) Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition. I'm Byron Tyler. Thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. 